Welcome to the Mission of Truth podcast, where Super Bowl champions Nick Foles and Chris Maragos dive deep into the trials and victories that are behind all of the lights. Here's your hosts, Nick Foles and Chris Maragos. Hey guys, this is Chris. Today's show is presented by Compassion International. And right now, you can help be a part of a great program called Fill the Stadium, as there's 70,000 kids that are in need of basic essentials like food and water, the typical things that you and I take for granted on a daily basis. So come join Nick, myself, and Compassion to help release children from poverty. To get more information, check out fillthestadium.com. Today on our show, we welcome David Akers. He's a six-time Pro Bowler, two-time first-team All-Pro, four-time second-team All-Pro, Philadelphia Eagles all-time leading scorer, a member of the NFL's 2000s All-Decade team, and a member of the Philadelphia Eagles Hall of Fame, please welcome to the show, David Akers. My man, David. Welcome, my man. Thanks so much, man. It's great to see you again. Dude, you too, man. Look, I, uh, I was reading that off, and I'm like, there's so much more that can be said about that, bro. You've had like an unbelievable career, bro. It's, you start reading that stuff off, it's amazing what you've accomplished. Unbelievable. Nothing but a has-been now, brother. Nothing but a has-been. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, hey, all that matters is that you were a once-been, and uh, and you did it really well, brother. No, it was so. obviously, just like you know, it, it's a blessing to be able to play in the NFL, and, you know, it stands for not for long, right, the NFL, but uh, yeah. you you look back on, on the career, and you're like, man, we were able to put together some, some good things, and um, yeah. ultimately, it, it's a little weird for me, even like right now. Obviously, I keep thinking about all the time I had back in Philly, and that was 10 years ago. And then yeah. you and I met out in San Francisco, obviously. Uh, played yep. two years there and then finished up in Detroit. But, yep. man, just life flying by. And this is, I mean, six years out, going into seven. And, yep. oh, bro, it's time flying. It's, it's crazy. Flying. It, and when I met does. you, man, you didn't even have a little one yet, you know. And now I you got know. three kiddos. Uh, that's the crazy thing. It's cool overlapping with guys like you in the league, man. Who You know, it's like. Gosh, man, just to see, you know, cross pass in the NFL and just how things kind of work. It's just, it's unbelievable, man. I was, I was super fortunate. I remember just looking up to you for the man you were, you know, when we were together in San Francisco for the short time there. And obviously I went to Seattle and then, you know, we were able to play against each other, but man, I always just had a tremendous amount of respect for you, the way you carried yourself and just how diligent you were. And, and you never wavered, you know, amongst all circumstances, which was really, really cool, man, especially for, a young guy like me in the NFL and, you know, you were that veteran around too. Well, so. you know, well, first off, I appreciate that. And, and, and again, even in the short time, and I, I think back to a little bit of what could have happened with the Niners and you and I just the other day were talking about this. So, you know, mm-hmm. you were part of that numbers game with the new coaching staff and all that. And mm-hmm. what you were able to do in Seattle and then out in Philly was, was pretty remarkable uh, in, in my opinion, but, there was if they would have kept you there, and then Josh McCown could have stayed. You know, <laughs> dude, Sorry, Josh there, with us too. That's right. You know, he was there for just a minute, right? And uh, yep, yep. And I, heck, he just got picked up again from the Texans. He was a, uh, he was living life, being on the practice squad with the Eagles <laughs> this year, staying at yeah. home, working out. I mean, hey, he was doing it right, bro. Yeah. Hey, I'll do that if you want me. I can still hit a thirty yarder, you know. So, hey, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> my leg that's might cool. go thirty-one, but. <laughs> I can still hit it, but yeah. yeah, just some great guys around the league. And, and at, at times I think the, um, the NFL gets kind of a bad rap um, nationally 
about, oh man, this guy and that guy's done this. And, and, I, and I share this a lot with people. I think like, there are a lot of really amazing guys and mm-hmm. that you don't even really hear about and, and what they're able to accomplish, not only within the locker room, to kind of be that nucleus, but what they do off the field. And, you know, you, you're a guy to me that, that comes back as just one of those special guys. And, and again, thinking about your time in Seattle and your time and, and, um, in Philly, and just the, again, the, the amount of people that you were able to, you know, kind of be the older veteran guy to, uh, it's kind of cool. And you, you see how that next generation or next grouping up kind of comes and passes that torch along. And, and I, I really wish that there was more light on, on people that are able to make a difference. Um, but again, if you don't have that big name per se, you kind of get overlooked. Yeah, totally. No, yeah, you're exactly right. But man, it's uh super cool to super cool to see, you know, what you've been able to accomplish in your career and I know, you know, you were one of those guys that kind of passed that torch to me, you know, as uh, as we crossed paths, but I think the one thing that kind of gets lost in the midst of everything is uh, you know, when you really see the accomplishments, you know, reading off your accomplishments and, and, and seeing what you've been able to, to do throughout your career is extraordinary. I mean, you've had an amazing career, but a lot of times people don't really see the road on what it takes to get to those accomplishments, right? And, you know, for you, undrafted out at Louisville, could you take us back to kind of the start of your career, how that happened sure. at, the t- at that time NFL Europe was going on and, you, exactly. know, you know, all the different things that kind of go in together to kind of make a career as illustrious as yours was kind of happen and, and how that kind of went. So I, I played at the university of Louisville. I was there from 93 to 96, as far as football seasons graduated in spring in 97 was able to come in as a true freshman. It was kind of weird because like I, I, I was picked up kind of as a punter, but then ended up really kicking the first two years. And then Howard Schnellenberger was our coach at the time and he left to go to Oklahoma so then they hired a new coach and he's like, we want you to be the punter. I said, but coach, I've been doing this for two years. He's like, we don't want you to do both. So you need to choose. I'm like, well, I've been doing it for two years. I think I'm going to stick with this. All right. Yeah, so yeah. I ended up playing, finishing my time out there. And um, I, I was really known to have kind of a really strong leg, but had four different holders over the time. And my accuracy was not where it should be, but there was some, some notice on the pro day and, I showed him that I could punt. I was good at kickoffs. And, uh, you know, it was my, my stats as a kicker were terrible my senior year. But they could see, like, I had, like I, I missed a 65-yarder off the upright my senior year and things like that. So mm-hmm. when the draft came, and it was a little bit different back then because they would give more money to undrafted free agents at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I, I started getting calls the first day. Like, hey, if you're not drafted, we'd like to have you be in camp as a free agent. And, you know, we'll be willing to, to work a little bit around the signing bonus and stuff. And like, oh, okay. I didn't really think too much of it. And then the next day I started getting quite a few more calls. Ended up getting five different free agency offers. Wow. And I went with the team that gave me the most money at the time, which was the sure. Carolina Panthers. And I'm like, oh, this is great. Now, hindsight's 2020. I shouldn't have it done that in, in one <laughs> regard, you know. <laughs> Yeah. But if I look at the grand scheme of things, I was able to go and learn under a guy named John Casey. And uh, that's a guy that if you haven't had on, I, I would totally recommend because he's just an incredible human being. 
But John ended up playing 19 years in the NFL. And that year he had gone to the Pro Bowl and he set an NFL record for um, uh, most field goals in a season. And so I'm there thinking, okay, I'm going to compete with this guy. And and I think I realized or he realized real quick that I wasn't going to be a competition to him. But that being said, he spent a lot of time with me just saying, hey, Dave, I think you need to adjust this. I think you need to adjust this with your technique. And if you want to be consistent and consistently accurate, these are going to be steps that you're going to have to push forward. It's up to you, Dave, if you want to do it. Mm -hmm. But if you want to be good, and I could see the difference in how my college mentality was of, okay, this is good. You know, I'm going to work. But I saw how he took it as a professional on the field and off the field. And I I really tried to become a sponge at that point. So I got released, obviously. I went back to Louisville and I was – a substitute teacher at the time. I had a, a, an education degree, but the way Louisville worked was you had to have five years of schooling and you got your master's of arts of teaching during that time. But I was like, I'm going to take a year and see what I can do kicking wise. So uh, I was substitute teaching and, and training and I was changing my technique and I really kind of watched how John did it. And I, I couldn't make it specific, uh, because he had a little nuance that worked well for him that not everybody could do. His feet were kind of like this. Well, I, I, I'm not <laughs> slew footed, so I can't really open right. up like that. Sure. So I, I worked that technique out and then I got an opportunity to go to the Atlanta Falcons. And mm-hmm. so the Falcons were one of the teams the year before that was interested in me. Uh, Joe D. Camillus was their special teams coordinator at the time. Right. Dan Reeves right. was the head coach and Morton Anderson was the kicker. I mean, yep this is awesome, Mike, but Morton Anderson, I don't really think I'm going to come in and, and take a hall of famers job. Sure. Sure. But I went in, I had an incredible camp because about the six to eight months that it took me to, to really work on what John was teaching me, mm-hmm. uh, it was then implemented and I still probably one of my best camps I ever had. Well, they were really looking at me to be on their practice squad. And obviously you get released to get brought back on uh, the practice right. squad. So during that time, right. the Washington Redskins, said, hey, we'd like for you to come for a workout, went there. They said, we'd like for you to be on our practice squad. So I kind of did some analysis. Like, the Falcons have Morton Anderson. The Redskins don't. Yeah, yeah right, so right. I think I'm going to go. A <laughs> little, little bit better option, guys. right? <laughs> yeah. So I was on the practice squad for two weeks. I get activated. And, um, you know, this should be like that aha Jerry Maguire moment. Like, show me the money, Jerry. Show right. me the quad. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so we go out to play Seattle back when it was the, in the kingdom, you know, oh, and yeah, um, like kicking in the kingdom, it's got to be, you know, can't be better than this. Right. Uh, Todd Peterson was a kicker at the time with them, and he was great. Got to meet him for the first time. And my opening kickoff, I'm proverbial kicking off your career as I'm kicking off the game. And <laughs> right. I hit a high kind of short kick. Steve Richard catches it. He hits it up the middle, cuts out to the right, and like Chris Berman would like to say, he could – Go yeah. Were you chasing it? What was going? <laughs> Dude, it was like a he gone. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my gosh! Giving up a touchdown on a kickoff, whether it was high school or college, and he oh. was like gone. I learned oh. geometry really quick in the NFL. <laughs> Those angles, <laughs> man, figured that out real quick. And I was a decently fast guy at the time, so yeah. that was my NFL start. Uh, Ninety-yard oh. touchdown. Um, oh. And so that really wasn't the way I wanted to start. So I'm like, okay, kid, it's got to get better than this. Let's go. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So my first field goal attempt was a 48-yarder. And it went 
wide right. And then my oh, next man. one was 49. It went wide left, and I got oh, cut gosh. two days later. Oh, so gosh. that's two years, three teams. All yep. right, this isn't looking too good. Right. And so December 22nd, I still live in Atlanta. December 22nd of 98, I, I get a call at this workout facility. I was playing basketball, pickup game with my wife. And they said, uh, hey, you know, watch on the phone, whatever. And I'm like, okay, well, what's up? Like, I'm scared, like something's going on. And she's like, hey, yeah. the Eagles just called and they want to bring you in for a workout. I went, wow. okay, when? Like, yeah, tonight. <laughs> right. Right. It's like it's five o'clock already. Tonight, like, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So I had like a 10 o'clock flight to get on back in Atlanta, back when you could, you know, walk right through and, you know, you oh, yeah, all sure. the security and all that. So right. we went to a local high school out in the dark and started trying get to out. hit some balls. Are you kidding me? I was, uh, it was bad. It was bad. Wow. And so we got there. Uh, I stayed at the airport Marriott right there. Yep. And I got oh, yeah. in like one in the morning. I got up real early. Um, basically where Citizens Bank Park is, it was the vet. Mm-hmm. And yep. on that parking lot was dirt that was kind of feathered up some grass and then there was a bubble wow and that was their their practice facility wow dude i had this workout that was so bad i mean so (laughs) bad (laughs) i had a strong leg but again it was kind of like back to my college curling balls are going here here and yeah yeah terrible now spray it all over yeah now at the time john harbaugh was the special teams coordinator obviously with the ravens now um Mike McCartney, his dad was Bill McCartney, did Promise Keepers. Mike is a really well-known uh, sports agent now, but he was right. the head of player person or one of the head of the player uh, pro personnel. I think the head of personnel that time was Bobby DePaul, and I might have had mm-hmm. their their official titles off a little bit. Right. Uh, Tom Modrak was the uh, the general manager, and Ray Rhodes was the head coach. Okay, uh, this right. was like back in the day. Yep. So. They don't really tell you much, but, hey, thanks for coming in and all that. And I'm like, this is such a waste. So we were about to go back to our house <laughs> in Kentucky to see my parents and my wife for Christmas. It's yep. now December 23rd. So I landed in Atlanta. My wife picks me up, and she's like, well, how did it go? I was like, oh, it was a waste of time. I was terrible. Uh, you know, yeah. she's like, really? Your agent called. They want to sign you. Like, Get out. <laughs> okay. So either they were really <laughs> prophetic or we both got a little bit on the lucky side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they said, we would like you to go over and play in NFL Europe. And so they back then they were allocating teams and you would have your jersey and I have like whatever logo of team you were playing for on it. Uh, and I was playing for a new team called the Berlin Thunder. And it was part of what um, – well, it was the old franchise of the London Monarchs. It even goes back to the, even the world, the old World League. And wow. so it was new. We were terrible. I was kicking pretty well. Got to see yep. some really amazing sights. Like our practice facility was the home of the, I think the 1936 Olympics, which is wow. a really, really amazing cool. to see. That's, you know, the track that Jesse Owens ran on. And wow. uh, ironically, like we went to a soccer game that was right there where you know, they're saying, well, yeah, that's where Hitler would sit. And you're like, yeah, and that's amazing to be in this Olympic village. And they said, yeah, as they went by, like, Jesse Owens was there when Hitler was there. And, you know, the American Just, pride that was going wow. on right there with all that history um, wow. was pretty crazy, you know, especially in the time that the world was at that time. And, sure. um, you know, just just unique, I would say. Um, 
because it was on the east side of what was Berlin, because uh, obviously West Berlin um, was in '99. They they were still rebuilding from the split and yep. coming together. You could still see large chunks of the wall, and right, so right. It, it was neat in, in that regard. But we lived on East Berlin side, and the East Berlin side you had to know Russian and German, and so. My Jeez. my Deutsche was very Klein. It, it, <laughs> I was gonna say, what were you doing there, bro? What were you doing with that? Oh, that's not tough. Very, I took two years of high school German, and man, it was terrible. <laughs> so I just would go and truly get the Speckens the English, Speckens the English, you know, trying there you to get go, right? anybody. Yeah, but, um, yeah, something, right? Yeah. It was it was a really unique experience, but I got really sick two days, or excuse me, we had. The second to last game, it was the night before the second to last game of the season. And I ended up finding out I had salmonella food poisoning. Now, this wow. was a whole made-for-TV movie to begin with, this part. Wow. But yeah, basically, sure. I got quarantined for a week in an East Berlin hospital. Wow. My wife didn't know where I was, what was going on. She just realized that there wasn't a, a game going on that I was playing in. Yep. And then once we got talking to her, um, we didn't really know what was going on. And again, that, that language barrier was there. The team basically left me. Uh, I, wow. even back then I didn't even have, a, I didn't have a, a passport with me. The team had the passport and no change of clothes, all this stuff and trying to figure out what was wrong. But we ended up finding out that it was salmonella. I was quarantined and I stayed there for that week. I lost 30 pounds that week. Wow. Uh, it was, it was oh crazy, but there was no, no room. Uh, the room like had a, a wheelchair with a bucket. So that was my restroom and mm -hmm. a sink. And I looked over <laughs> to to this building with kind of clay shingles on it and that was kind of what i got to experience wow interestingly enough during that time i was uh you know i was scared i didn't really care if i played in the nfl i just wanted to kind of get back to my my newly married wife uh sure so at that point anything oh my gosh right <laughs> you know exactly oh. and so I will say this and we can kind of get into this a little deeper. I hated to read as, as a kid, just, you know, I, I would read what I had to read, but it w wasn't an enjoyable moment for me. But uh, sure. during that time over there, I read three novels and wow. it started because somebody from the front office of the Berlin Thunder brought me some American uh, novels. Uh, the wow. Mark of the Assassin was the first one I read, I read okay. there. And then, uh, so as that kind of goes through, sets up something for the future but we'll get to that part and remind me to come mm -hmm. back to it so okay. as i'm reading these three books uh i finally get to go home my wife didn't even recognize me when i land back in atlanta wow and so i go to training camp literally like four or five weeks later yeah still not have my weight back and all that but ultimately um the the eagle said we're gonna keep you but we want you to do like long field goals and kickoffs and, and okay. the Eagles were terrible. They were three and 13 the year prior to me being there. And so this is Andy Reed's first year. Jim Johnson was the defensive coordinator who John Harbaugh runs a lot of his type of defenses still to this day down with the, wow. the Ravens. Um, and, you know, if you talk to guys like Brian Dawkins and, and the guys that have really been around, like he was such a, a vital influence on the defensive guy's life. But I got to give a lot of gratitude and thanks to Jim because he really wanted me for the kickoff purposes for the defense. So very wow. appreciative, appreciative of what he was able to do uh, on my behalf in that regard. Sure. sure. So I make it that year. They keep Norm Johnson as the shorter field goal guy. 
who kicked mm-hmm. several years out in Seattle and a lot in, in, um, in Pittsburgh and had a 17-year career. So if I go back to my start, I, I have to think John Casey, Morton Anderson, Norm Johnson, and then the punter with the Eagles when I first started was Sean Landetta, who played like 23 or 24 years of wow. pro football, if you include his time in the USFL. Wow. So if you look at those guys, I'm a product of all those guys. My technique was very similar to John Casey. Morton Anderson taught me how to be the athlete and the, the professional in a whole type of year. Like, how does he train as an older guy? How do you prepare for the season? And, and then Norm Johnson, the day in, the day out life, I was able to live with him for about a quarter of the season and just ride doing the work, see how he prepared. And for me, that was huge. And then Sean Landetta being a great veteran teammate, but yep. kind of showing me how to even market myself off the field and be able to utilize myself with the media and, and things sure. of that nature. Uh, I'm very grateful for those guys because I, I really do think that my high school coach kind of nailed it. He said that, David, nobody is a self-made man. We are all product of the people in the environment around us. And we have to yes. identify who those people are. Yes. And um, one thing that I know Coach Vermeil talked about and another great friend and teammate of mine, Chad Lewis, Mm-hmm. surround yourself with greatness so you can become great as well. And, and I well, think about those guys and I am appreciative of the, of the greatness of being surrounded by them because without them, I wouldn't have been able to achieve what I was able to achieve on the field. And, and the list goes on and on from there, but sure. as far as a kicker and a specialist, I'm pretty much a product of those guys. Well, so I played 12 years in Philly, two in mm-hmm. San Fran, and as I said, finished up in Detroit. Right. It's amazing. I mean, it, it truly is. When, when you when you get around NFL players, everybody can point back to a veteran or a coach or an opportunity or a break or something that allowed them to kind of propel them to do what they were doing. And I think that's what a lot of people miss out on is that you see NFL careers or you see, you know, maybe uh, like you, all your accomplishments or Super Bowl rings or whatever it might be. Um, but there's so many things and so many people that go in to help mold and shape those things to even ha- happen. And they almost don't happen. You know, I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's so God's grace, man. Going. And, and people <laughs> right? are like, oh man, you play, how did you, when you get drafted? I was like, dude, it wasn't drafted. How'd you make yeah. it? Well, it was this. Well, how right. do you make it? And I, and I tell, you know, guys, young kickers come to me like, Hey, I'd like to make it. Like you have to be one of the 32 best guys yeah. on that day under these circumstances to get the yep. opportunity, you know, everything kind of has to align. And yes. um, it, sometimes like there's no reason why I shouldn't have stayed in Washington, but I did not sure. perform well on that day in yep. front of the coaching staff to make, you know, that decision. And ironically, some newspaper article my last year in, in, in Philly, I think they showed that, they even took the, the Cardinals out because during that time, the Arizona Cardinals were part of the division before they realigned. Uh, but between Philly, New York, Dallas, and Washington, mm-hmm. I, uh, I had been there and the other teams that had 33 or 34 kickers in the same amount of time that I was there. And it was one of those things where they're like, oh, look at the longevity, look at great career. And to me, I'm like, I was able to play three contracts out. Right. Thanks to Andy Reid and, yep. you know, Jeffrey Lurie and Joe yep. Banner and Howie Roseman that gave me those opportunities. And then, heck, even all the way back to, to Tom Modrak. So, sure. to me, sure. uh, I'm like, 
goodness gracious, thank you guys because <laughs> you changed my life. And then I know you have different guys that you talk through and, you know, you're in Seattle and all that. But for me, the Philly fans changed my life in a very, very positive way. They embraced me. It was like, I feel like if you embody the, the city and the feeling of what they want, look, they know you're going to make mistakes. They know it's going to happen. Sure. But if you can show them like, hey, I want to do this for you guys. I, I, I appreciate what you do and you come out. And it's kind of like if you're playing poker, like sometimes you're going to have some chips on your side, but you're going to have right. to, you know, throw some back into the pile occasionally if you yeah, have yeah, a bad game yeah. or whatever. But right. keep telling them, man, like, I want to do good. I want I want you all to know that I, I'm trying to bang it out. Right. That they have grace for that there. They really yeah. do. If you're if yep. you're a person that just shows you you're grinding for them, and yep. they they embrace me and gave me an incredible love. They are. They they truly are special special fans. I want to uh, I want to ask you a little bit. So you get your opportunity in Philly. You make the most of it, and you have a ton of success early on in your. I mean, phenomenal. And I mean, it's you're ripping off all pros. I mean, you're doing crazy stuff, man. Just unbelievable. And you never look back. And that's a testament to you. But there's a there's a moment in there, uh, 2005 against the Oakland Raiders. Can you kind of step in on, on that game? I don't really want to share exactly the details, yeah. how you finished the game. But that was, you know, everything's going smooth up to that point. You know, you, you hit the Oakland Raiders game. And I think that's a testament to the grit and the person you are for, for how that game you know, finished up and, you know, maybe even just some of the things, you know, that, that have happened good in your career up to that point, but then, you know, kind of, you know, that crossroad, I guess, at, sure. at, at uh, your career. So as you're referring to, that was the year after we went to the Super Bowl and, and lost to yep. the Patriots. Um, you all did what we couldn't finish, you know, so oh, man. I see, I see what's behind <laughs> you there. My oh, jersey man. back here, man, I'm we fortunate. don't have the ring. We got the uh, first place loser ring, but uh, uh, yeah, right. uh, so we played the Niners the week before that. And I, I went through a kickoff and I felt something kind of grab in the back of my hamstring, got an MRI and it said I had a slight tear. Um, I guess kind of where the, the hamstring meets the, the hip. It's the ischial tuberosity. Don't ask me to spell it. I have no idea, okay. but the tendons that connect, <laughs> hey, we won't. there are three tendons. Yep. So they're like, uh, you know, it should be okay. Whatever. I felt pretty good. Um, during warm-up, but the opening kickoff, you know, you just uh, give it, and it just went. And then oh, we were boy. off sides. So oh, I had to back so it up, go back and I'm like, I'm going to try just to get it down there, and then I just collapsed at impact. And oh, so we, we go in, and they had Mike Bartram start to try to kick off a toe ball. He kicked it out of bounds, so we had <laughs> – yeah, two offs. We were offsides twice, and then he kicked the ball out of bounds. I think they got the ball at the other forty or something. It was ridiculous. Oh my goodness! So they take me in. Is this first game that my my son, my oldest son, had ever been to? Wow! So my wife comes down to the to the locker room, and he's there, and I'm in some pretty severe pain at the time. And what ended up happening is I ripped two of the three tendons off the bone. Oh, now, wow. obviously, we didn't know at the time, but they did this tape job and they said, look, we're going to send you back out there. We hope that you don't have to kick, but we'll just have you on the sideline. And they right. basically made it so I couldn't extend my leg. Okay. And as the game was going on, 
I believe Mark Semino tried an extra point and, and it got blocked. So maybe they went, it was, it was, the score was like 21 to 20, I believe, somewhere in that yep. realm. And the game was about done and we were on this drive and they were like, David, is there any way that you can hit a field goal if we get to it? And I kept trying a couple shots into the net. I'm like, I, I don't even know. I don't, I don't know. If this oh, ball, you're hurting, bro. Yeah. If, if oh. I hit it, you know, you feel like you're getting stabbed every time in the back of the oh, leg. Man. So I don't know what's going to happen. But I said, okay. Now, thank goodness they pushed it down far enough. It was a little bit further than an extra point. It was a 23-yarder extra point mm-hmm. at the time. And uh, I made the kick. And then when it did, it just was like – I felt like somebody just literally stabbed me in the back. So I just kind of collapsed out like, oh, gosh. my gosh. And at that point, I was like, I don't know if I just ripped it completely off the bone oh, or yeah. what had happened. But um, I think some emotions kind of took over. And that's funny. I had, there's a picture of me carrying my son. And I'm, I, he's like, yay. And I'm like, oh, you know, this is not good. <laughs> totally. So get, get an MRI the next day, and it showed that. And I actually had three different um, – kind of evaluations one from from the team's perspective which I always trusted those guys they'd always done me right but I wanted to make sure that you know somebody with a hamstring kind of uh kind of mindset was was saying hey this is this is what you need to kind of you know force you know yourself to do if that makes sense so I go to Cincinnati and see their doctor and he's saying dude you need surgery. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. no, 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 no. Like you're done. So then we went to a guy at Duke and he's like, no, nah, I think you, if you don't kick off for about 10 weeks, then you'll be okay. But you can probably kick some field goals. So I was, wow. we, we had a bye week and then we missed four games. So I was out for a total of five weeks. I was able to come back and hit field goals, but um, they had a guy that kicked off for a majority of the season for us for that point. And I, and I'll, I'll say this, um, there was a lot going on with Terrell Owens at that time. He really wanted a new contract. And I'd gone through this whole time. Obviously, we all want new contracts when we're playing well. Sure. And the Eagles came to me and said, David, you know, we, um, we think what you've been able to do and getting healthy and all that, we want to offer you a new deal. And I was elated because, you know, at that point, you don't know really what your career is going to do prior to this and you're thinking you're going to be on right. IR and right. you know, they, they were able to bring a guy on a roster spot to kick off and have me kick field goals. And I kicked very well the rest of that year. Right. And, uh, and that, that brought me on to my, to my last basically contract with them and uh, very appreciative of that. And yeah. uh, they didn't have to do that at that time. So to me, again, it kind of goes back to, they, they gave me opportunities when you get things like that, you want to fight for, and, and you and I know it's a cutthroat business. I mean, sure. you can be out just like that. And, and at that moment, I was all in for the Eagles, and I wanted to retire for them because I had been through some adversity, and they had come out on on the positive side for me. And I, I and it was interesting too because I feel like since we kind of talked through this and um, didn't really go the the route of the public side, sure. that they kind of honored that in a way. So. Yep. Yep. But yeah, well, Philly, I, uh, Philly was really, really cool about that. They, they thought that was, you know, their blue collar kind of feel of like gritting it out and, and taking one for the team. So that, yep. that, that got me a couple more chips on my side on that one. <laughs> hey guys, we're going to take a quick break to tell you about Compassion International. Nick, 
Tori, myself, and my wife, Sarah, have been a part of Compassion for a long time. We love what they stand for, releasing kids from poverty. And right now, the need is even more pressing than ever with COVID-19 and all that it's left with nearly 70,000 kids in dire need of food, clean water, education, and medical care. We want to invite you to join us with Compassion to help fill the stadium for these kids in crisis. Check out the website, fillthestadium.com, to learn more and to help us release these kids from poverty. That's fillthestadium.com. I know your heart was always to, you know, end in Philadelphia, but that didn't happen. That's where we crossed paths, which I'm super thankful for. Maybe you weren't at the time, but can you just kind of share with the emotions of, you know, what, what's that like? I mean, you spend, gosh, yeah. or a decade with the team, if not more, and all of a sudden you're in a new place. I mean, what's that feeling like to, to just make that switch and be all in for a place and then, you know, go somewhere else? I, I think there was a mix of emotions. I mean, anytime you go somewhere new, there's, there's, there's a heightened anxiety and kind of butterflies of something cool and different. Right. So mm -hmm. I've been under the same coach, same tutelage, same grouping for, for 12 years. And yep. I was again, thankful for that opportunity. I hated the kind of the way it went down because sure. they kind of came to me with a, a, an offer late in December. It was a really short amount of time. I had to think about it. And mm -hmm. I just was like, let's just wait till the off season and let's talk it through. Well, yep. the lockout kind of happened. Um, well, it, it even kind of – we can kind of back up. We were playing the Packers in an NFC wild card game. And this was the 2010 season, 2011 playoffs. Yep. And I found out two days prior to that game that my daughter had a malignant tumor in her left ovary. I'd missed practice. I, I was in – getting her an MRI. My wife was home with my, my youngest at the time. And I really wasn't expecting this to go down. And I did a lot with Children's Hospital for, for many, many years. I would go basically every Tuesday or Thursday to, to see kids and, uh, you know, no, no cameras and things like that. It was just spending time with these, these kids and families. And, uh, you know, Rose Cunningham very well. So Rose was oh, very, yeah. very much Absolutely. a part of of that with Great my person. foundation, but just kind of me and, and children's hospital being a part of that. Yeah. And so all of a sudden these people that I knew at children's hospital were treating me completely different. You know, wow. they went from these child life specialists that we walk around and see kids to like all of a sudden they weren't the same with me. It, this was like, okay, now they're in job mode and it freaked me out. And yeah. so that, that weekend happens and I'm not putting any blame or excuses on the game, mm -hmm. but I had that kind of going and I, I'd lost, you know, my, my grandparents before and, and things of that nature uh, and then gone out and performed well, right. but I did not perform well in this game. I missed two short kicks. We lost by five. Yep. Uh, the, the news media ran with the fact that Andy Reid said, uh, you can do the math. You know, if I've made those two kicks, we have, we win by one point in, in his, kind of math there and right, you know, right. media was like well do you do you take that as a personal attack on you when Andy's really well known for not throwing people under the bus and that and I sure. and, and I think the world of Andy and I, I don't think he was looking at me as David Akers the father I think he was looking at me as I was his player yep talking about an organizational loss yep. uh, what it affects to the team and, and to the fans um, and he just put it out there he wasn't you know because he got a lot of slack uh, I guess 
when the, when the when the media found we actually had to come out to the media about it because there was there was discussion that like there was a family like people said hey david's kind of going through some stuff and right. then rumors kind of start spreading and it, we had to address it what it was that hey we sure. had a child that had an issue right and so that week she ended up having to have surgery and uh had it removed so i didn't i wasn't in the last day um you know the next day you go in after we lost the game and uh you know say goodbye you do all the ch- i wasn't i didn't have any closure so right. I, I had to get my stuff after we met with a surgeon i grabbed my stuff we were going into a lockout i took everything out of there knowing that the lockout was going to happen right and apparently that that didn't sit well with the team and i was like well i just got my stuff because we were i was a free agent at the time right so well was going to be in march so Nonetheless, they, they end up putting a transition tag on me. They franchised Mike Vick. They transition tagged me. And so I just was saying, I'm not going to sign this tag. And so they ended up drafting a kicker because I wouldn't sign the tag. Right. And uh, in my mind was like, I didn't want to sign that tag and throw out 31 other opportunities possibly. Sure. Or you say, well, I know if I don't sign this tag that I'm basically throwing away this one opportunity and we're going to move on. So right. 2010 became a really unknown to me and my family, uh, or 2011, excuse me. Yep. We knew that I was going to be out with the Eagles. We had the the health situation that we were trying to figure out with my daughter. Um, mm-hmm. I knew I was going to be uprooting my family and moving them somewhere if mm-hmm. and when the season kind of opened up out of that lockout. And right. the year before that, um, I was, I went through a huge financial loss through, uh, basically you could call it a, a fraudulent, um, financial company or a Ponzi right. type scheme, but it wasn't, it wasn't really a Ponzi because it was legitimate stuff initially, but it kind of, they started robbing Peter to pay Paul and then it became yeah. fraudulent. Wow. And so I lost a lifetime of money through that. And so I was just trying to look for a way to say, what can we do here? And, um, and during that time, I also decided like I wanted to do an outreach. And so in that Marlton area, Medford area, sure. I I was like, what can we do? And I wanted to, for years to do kind of a, a Christian kind of like, um, you know, there are obviously some great bands out there, Christian bands that it's not the, the typical praise and worship stuff that's out there. They're like, oh, this right. stuff's not, you know, it's kind of churchy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted right, something right. like, hey, man, this stuff rocks and yeah, really can connect so, with people, right? And yeah. Yep. So I was like, hey, can we do a free deal? I bring somebody in, a believer bring a non believer, and let's, you know, let's do this. Yep. Uh, so that first year, I, I met down with some, some friends and I said, what do you think we can do here? And they said, well, I like Toby Mac. I was like, well, who doesn't like Toby Mac? And sure. well, so much so I've worked with him in the past. I named my son Toby. I was like, really? And so the next guy goes, that's funny. We named our son Toby after Toby Mac. I was like, well, sounds like you bring Toby Mac in. Well, yeah, of so course. <laughs> Toby just so happened to be coming off a tour. We were able to get him. Wow. Way cheaper than we would have normally been able to, to get him. And sure. we did it at a high school. We didn't even wow. advertise it. We sent out nine emails, sold it out. And wow. uh, it ended up being such a cool event. The amount of networking that people had was something that only God could, could bring together. 
which was really cool. It, and, and really is the more I think about it, it had nothing to do with me, but how it implemented into other people's lives. Mm-hmm. So saying all that in the, in the midst of the storm that we were going through, craziness, uh, <laughs> I saw that in that time that God really provided, I could look back and say, man, it was not provided earthly things, but more of a storing up treasures in heaven type of deal. Totally. totally. Um, but then the lockout was lifted and then yep. I got to meet you out in San wow. Francisco. It's so crazy. that was kind of the, the, the transition of how I was able to, to get out there. And uh, it became pretty apparent. It was, it was basically between the Niners and at the time, the Washington Redskins, uh, right. where to go. And my holder, Savraka, who was our punter, went down there and I was like, man, this is really familiar. But then I just love the Harbaugh family so much. I, John Harbaugh is still one of my dearest friends. Yeah. And if I, if I called him right now and said, hey, I need you, he would drop whatever he needed to do yeah. to come help. That's just the type yeah. of human being that guy is. Wow. That's and amazing. so and I almost played for his dad, Jack Harbaugh, wow. at Western Kentucky. So it could, I could have had the whole wow. trifecta. So, Dude, look at that, bro. <laughs> I know. That's it's amazing. pretty crazy. When I met you in 2011, you're in the midst of just absolute craziness, a tornado of events, right, in your life. And it was so cool to see you consistent every day. And I think because your relationship was so grounded on the Lord that the external situations and the things were happening around you that were going crazy, but you never changed. And I think that's a testament to where your faith lies in Christ and and who you are as a person and where your true foundation and your hope lies. And I just got to tell you that, man, it was, that was really impactful for me in my career and really helped propel me. You're one of those guys that helped show me what that looked like so that when I got older, I could show that to other people. We talked about passing the torch, but man, that was, that was so cool to see, man, during that time and, and, and knowing the situations that you had to work through in those moments. Well, I got to really, say really, that's humbling, brother. I really, I really do. Um, there, there, there are there are times that I, that I struggle now that when I preach on perseverance, when I preach on the aspect of a perspective, an eternal perspective versus a temporal perspective, right? That I, I'm during this time frame right now. I gotta say, like, I struggle with this. I'm struggling. Totally. With, like, I have a son that's playing out at UCLA. Mm-hmm. He had hurt his back last year. Or, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was going into the summer of last year. So he could go and, and work out for these, for these colleges and showcase. Mm-hmm. And um, the only one he could work out for was for your old coach, Chip Kelly. That's right. And, you know, he gets this opportunity and it's like, man, well, all right, Lord, I guess this is where you want him to be. And it's right. fantastic, right? Right. Well, then – comes in COVID. Right. And <laughs> now everything's changed as well. Like I can't even see them. Right. Um, we don't know what's going to happen out there. None of the stuff that looked really amazing is being implemented in there. And you start to wonder like, all right, Lord, I'm really, really trying to see what your plan is in this. And yep. I'm struggling to see the answers. Mm-hmm. And so I know there have to be listeners to you that I think it's okay to ask why, right? Why on things we're not going to have the answers until we go through the pearly gates. But as believers, I think it's okay that like that you admit that you struggle, right? That that there are, that are days of like, you know, there's 
you know, the Lord is good. Yep. Yes. <laughs> my, my, my faith isn't gone. Right. I'm struggling to understand what, you, what is your plan in all this, Lord? I, what, what, are, what are we supposed to be doing? Um, you, we talked about this the other day. Mm-hmm. When you're retiring after doing something over half your life, right. what's your purpose? Um, right. So it's humbling to hear that you feel like I was able to, to do some of that stuff because internally I'm like, dude, I've always been a mess. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you try to work through those and I'm just being transparent of no, it's great. that we, we don't have it together. And people, I think a lot of times people believe that in, 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 in your Christ walk and my wife, you know, she, she's, and there's been moments in our lives and it may be the same with you that, Mm-hmm. At certain moments, your wife is stronger than you at times oh. during things. And then you're, you know, at times you're stronger than them. And, and, mm-hmm. and that's kind of how that relationship is brought together right. uh, in marriage. And a lot of times people say marriage is 50-50. And I don't believe that's the case. I believe it's 90-10 at times, 70-30, <laughs> you know, sure. it's just about 100%. what what's being, you know, in that area. And um I got to say, you've been an encouragement to me just by kind of what you're saying right now. Um, so I, COVID has brought such a difference right now. And then, you know, mm-hmm. then there's a whole political world out there of, of one side and this side and the division. And, and there seems to be so much animosity towards people. And, um, I, and I, I hate that. I also hate that. I feel like the, the word, if you're a Christian, like right now, there, there's persecution worldwide over that right yep. now. And, and, um, and seeping in as a sieve into our own country at the moment, right. yep. um, I know. you know, and, and not standing on what truly the word says and what is being manufactured into what people believe the word totally. is. Yep. You know? yep. No, you're, you're right, man. I think uh, it's so true though. So often in those times, you know, we're, we're so imperfect. Uh, but the good thing is we serve a perfect God that fills in, in those imperfections for us, you sure. know, and that's, that's the best thing, man. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's encouraging. And like you said, those moments when we work through, man, it's, it's, it's great to have that knowing that, yeah, we're going to face hard times and feel those hard times, but we have somebody that can walk through those with us, you know, and, Absolutely. and it's, it's true, man. What about, let me ask you this, Dave, I've always been, dying to know this what do you think is the most important aspect for a kicker is it is it leg strength is it accuracy is it mental toughness is it mechanics and you always hear that you know so often you know it's so easy for people to say oh you know the mechanics are oh you know this guy's just a great kicker but from somebody who really knows it in and out I mean what do you think the most important thing is for a kicker to have success well, if we look today, in my opinion, the, and there are a lot of really good kickers out there, but I think the guy today that if I said, I want to start a franchise and this is my guy, it's Justin Tucker. Okay. Really? Okay. And so there's a couple of things about it. He, yes, he does have good technique. Yes, he has an extremely strong leg. He's got a fast mm-hmm. leg. Yep. He's got a confidence about him almost to a point of, of an arrogance. Yep, it's true. But – I think that's what kind of makes him good because Absolutely. if he misses a kick, he's like, that's gone. Well, he doesn't miss many to begin with, but he's like, that's gone, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> right yeah. And so I was able to be in their training camp, I guess it was 2014 or 15, somewhere in that range. Yep. And he, he was getting a contract was coming up. And, and I said to him, I said, bro, understand this. 
you have Morgan Cox, the snapper. Yep. Uh, Sam Cooks is holder, the punter. Yep. Those guys are so good, yep. so good. Yep. That they make you better. Yep. Okay. When you go somewhere else, you're not having that situation. Sure. John Harbaugh is a team's coach. Knows, knows that. Randy Brown is a kicking coach. And now as one of the special teams coordinators with the team, they realize the importance of that. Points are going to come down to it, especially even the way that they design their whole team. It's, it's a slow offense. We're going to grind it. We're going to pound it on you. Our defense, yep. our special teams, we're, we're going to be solid. Yep. And what they do make him better. Okay. Yep. With that being said, his mindset is, I'm going to make every kick. So you get to a guy that's like, I got to worry about this. I got to worry about that. Like, I don't yep. want that guy. Right. Even if you fake it, I want the guy that will come out. They might be sh- – I was shaking in my boots every time I went out there. That I was going to screw up, <laughs> let down the team, let down my family, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I want them to show that, like, man, I walk on that field like I own you're it. You're going to let it rip. Yep, yeah. yep. You're going to let and it rip, you man. you play like, scared, yep. you're yep. never going to have success. Yep. So you have yeah. to have confidence. And, and I go back to – I did jujitsu and Shaolin Kempo for many years. Mm-hmm. And some of the mentality of martial arts was, you know, if I'm going to work on a move and I'm like, here, 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 you yep. do one, two, three, four, and then boom, it comes together and yep. you take your mind out of it. So you, you do the muscle memory to the point that when you need to react, your body reacts. So when I would sure. hit the field, I would kind of say, I want my mind out of the game, yep. find where I need my, my target to be. And just yep. the one word I would say was kind of just get through the ball, just get through the ball and, Generally, yep. everything else kind of worked well for the most part under yep. those circumstances. So I love it. I would say that, that you have to have a combination of all that. Some guys are so technical that they can't be an athlete. Other yep. guys are so athletic that they don't have any technique. And so when their athleticism <laughs> kind of gets out of whack, they don't have a technique to fall back on. You have the yeah. other guys that are so mentally fragile yep. that – when it comes down one, to one bad thing's done, right? You know, oh, tanks I'm terrible. Them. You know, that's it. And so, <laughs> yep. you know, playing outside in bad conditions, through and through, man, you you be able to uh, clone Justin Tucker. Yep. You have thirty-two of those guys around. It's almost as, about as automatic as you can get. Well, we need you need thirty-two David Acres, man. That's what you need. Guys impact <laughs> impacting the locker room off the field too. What about David? What about this too? I, I always wanted to ask you this. When is the best time to ice a kicker? You, you know, you see them when they're, you know, going back and, you know, doing their, you know, uh, you know, you know, stepping off their, you know, three steps back, two steps over. Is it right before they're about to kick? Is it, I mean, what, what's the best time do you think? So it's interesting. I, I, I never really put a whole lot of stock in, I think out of my career, I had one time where they iced me and, and yep. it worked. Yep. But today, the way they're doing it, they need to do it a little sooner. The reason why is this. A lot of guys are getting a free shot. So yep. if it's at the last second, like they think they're going to go and they're waiting for the, for the, the timeout. Right. I wouldn't call it. Right. Because you're like, what, are they going to – They're waiting they for gonna, it, anticipating They're it. waiting. <laughs> and so then the snap comes and like, oh, they blew it. Boom, I'm going to make the kick. And, and they get right. a warm-up. Yep. Well, if you're going to – I wouldn't call it. Yep. Ah, I like it. I like it because they're so either, on it, right? I like it. So either early on or something early, like that. 
like as soon as they start their walk back, yep. do it then so they don't get the warm up. Yep. Or you want to do it or not do it at all, kind of. That's uh, that. That would, be, that would be my philosophy. Who right. knows if I it like works, it. man? <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I like it. All right. Well, final question for you here. Appreciate your time here. Tell tell us, you know, the people listening out there, the, your favorite kick of all time. Was it the sixty three yarder NFL record type stuff? You know, I, you, you know, was it? I mean, what what was your favorite kick? Was it a playoff kick? I mean, you know, I think there was a series of kicks. It was two thousand. It was the Pittsburgh Steelers game. Uh, we were down at the time with three minutes to go by ten points, mm-hmm. and so we scored this touchdown. We do an onside kick. Now, back then, the onside kick was you could overload a side. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you could overload a side. We would do the high hop. We would send five guys as a first wave, and they would just destroy them. And then we have another <laughs> guys that would come right behind and kind of catch it. Right. So we did that, and a guy named Gerard Cherry went up. He grabbed it at three or nine and three quarters yards, right? Like, wow. dude, just – there versus here you know yeah yeah yeah. and yeah. so back then it wasn't an automatic switch over you had a five-yard penalty and you could re-kick the ball we did okay. it again and then tim hauck yep. and was timmy there with you at all yeah tim yep he was a coach yep yeah was with yeah tim. so tim tim was like you know he looks like this insurance salesman even back back in 2000 180 pounds soaking wet safety and could yep. knock the snot out of people uh, you gotta yeah, check right. out you got to check out his hit on Joe Horn back in the day. Unbelievable. Really? Okay. So he recovers it. And uh, we went down and as we had no timeouts, clock was running. We got the whole offense, uh, you know, the, the, the offense off the field. And we got the field goal in and on from 16 seconds down, hit the game time, go into overtime, hit another win. And um, so the, the two onside kicks, the, the the two field goals was probably that whole setup was one of my um, exciting, I guess, games overall that just kind of was like, I can't believe that just all happened. But, wow. um, hey, I one other thing. So I told you earlier, Yep. I read all these books. I wanted to get to this real yeah, quick. Yeah, circle back to that. Yep, circle so back to that. So going back to my first year with, with the Eagles, mm-hmm. I hated to read. So I was sick. I come back home. I lost all this weight. My wife and I, we went up. She has um, some family up in upper part of, of Michigan. We went to this lake up there. And on the road trip, she had been reading this book series called Left Behind Series and uh, right. by Tim LaHaye and, and, and Jerry Jenkins. And basically, for those listeners who don't know, it's basically a, um, a fiction-based novel series on Armageddon or the second coming of Christ. And, right. um, you know, so I started reading this first book that she had read. And, you know, now that I'm this big reader and I got like 90 pages into it before I knew it, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm hooked. And I started reading the series. And what I started reading was these, these things about kind of end times or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I would read a scripture in there and then I would go and kind of break open the Bible and be like, oh, okay. Cause I hated to read. I didn't really read the Bible. I would go sure. to, um, you know, church and youth camps and all that stuff, but I didn't really read the Bible. So then I started like, okay, open it up and reading that and then reading the context that was surrounding that and then kind of going back and forth. And obviously I understood it was fiction, but then I could see the part biblically that they were kind of standing on with this. Sure. And so that kind of helped me to 
start to reading the Bible in general. And when I went to the Eagles, they were some great brothers uh, in Christ there. Uh, you know, the, the Brian Dawkins of the world, the James Thrashes of the world, uh, Paul Grassmanis, Mike Bartram, uh, Troy Vincent. I mean, they're just Jeremiah Trotter. Like the, the list kind of goes on and on that I could talk about in there. Um, Herb Lusk, who still to this day is one of the greatest guys Pastor that had Herb. influence on my uh, my life. Uh, Absolutely. So with that, I um, I'm very appreciative of that time. Mm-hmm. That I I feel like the Lord just like sit down like I need to open this kind of up for you. Um, and and I, I can look back on that now and say that was a course change in my life. Wow. And you know that goes from losing 30 pounds to opening a book and and what does that bring down the line and. And only time can tell when you go back and you look and see how that pathway was lit for you. Um, you know, so that I think that was kind of an interesting time frame. And uh, wow. a lot of my time with the Eagles uh, was based upon just great guys that mm-hmm. were. And, and I could also say this, the teams that we had that had guys that were grounded and guys kind of like yourself that were in there, and you can even say, you know, Nick and things like that. Mm-hmm. We were better. We were a better ball club when you had right. guys of character like that, in my opinion. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. The best teams I've always been around are the ones that were the most cohesive and that cared about each other, uh, you know, uh, because adversity was going to happen, but were you going to, were you going to be built upon something that really truly cared for each other that was going to keep things together to persevere through that kind of stuff. And, the tighter the locker rooms were always the better because you're going to face those adversities. It's just, are you going to be able to get through them? The year you all won the Super Bowl, I talked about mm-hmm. that. I still, when I, back when I actually was able to get out and do, do talks, I, that, that's right. been shut down. That was 30 events gone this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but with the way you all lost so many different players, starters, yep. Um, yep. and the next group came up, there wasn't, didn't seem like, at least from the outside, and even yep. talking to guys that were on the team, that there wasn't animosity towards that. It was like, all right, man, I got your back, and we're going to yep. keep pushing forward. And, and yep. when you have a locker room that's like that, if you can find the magic or the uh, whatever nucleus that you need to bring together that have that cohesiveness, teams yep. would pay huge money for that uh, yep. because you exactly. just can't find it. It can't be manufactured. It has to be organic. Yep. No, you're exactly right. Well, you are one of those guys, man, and you did it your whole career, man. And, oh, thanks, and uh, you're, you're a uh, unbelievable player and even more unbelievable person. And appreciate you shedding your, your insights on everything. And, and you truly have a remarkable story. Um, but you're a, a remarkable person that, uh, you know, has truly impacted a lot of people. So we appreciate you having on the show today. I appreciate it. You know, and, and I'll say this, I think it's really cool what you're all doing. Um, because I mean, if you think my story is cool, everybody's got a cool story, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a story, a testimony of their lives that can actually impact other people. And uh, everybody's story needs to be told. That's right. Hey, it's David Akers and uh, Hall of Fame person and player, which is awesome. Appreciate you, bro. <laughs> you as well. See you, brother. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, brother. Have a good one. You too. If you'd love to interact with Nick and I, please reach out to our social medias. Our Instagram is at Mission of Truth, and our Twitter is at M of T underscore podcast. We'd love to hear from you guys and any thoughts or questions you guys have or comments. And thanks for tuning in.